In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. In this town, I'm Queen B and MVP. When you take cheap shots, always expect a hangover. This rose isn't scared to handle a little prick. Jealousy is a disease to which I say, get well soon. I love God, but I will read you like a scripture. Just like my pioneer ancestors, I'm trying to blaze a new trail. Did your dad say hi to the, to say, hey, uh, this is the podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Say a Thanksgiving message. Happy Thanksgiving. And remember, don't hate. Peace, love, and fellowship. Say, that's Bill Bailey. That's Bill Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mom, say happy Thanksgiving. We'll do a longer interview next week. Happy Thanksgiving. It's prep time here at the Casa Maria. Okay, Ryan, cut that part out. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I thought I couldn't say the name of I thought you were saying, oh, don't say the name. No, no, I was, I was, I was saying I was going to cut you out. I didn't get that. I thought I was doing wrong. No, no, you're good. Hey, guys, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, Thanksgiving edition. Uh, so you probably heard yesterday, or maybe you don't even, because you're with family or not with family or just... You're busy. Let's just say you're busy. Uh, I did a Southern Charm recap yesterday with my good friend Emily Clayton that actually went into so many different directions before we even got to Southern Charm. So I know some people like really love recaps and some people don't, but I think the recaps are are good to listen to because they help us grow as people. No, because I think we talk about so many things beforehand and it gets so nutty. And I just like those kind of, as I get further into this, I love those conversations you have with friends that you're like, oh, I... I wish I had recorded this. And sometimes I have my friends on and it's one, and I had that conversation with Emily yesterday and I really enjoyed it, enjoyed it. And it made me laugh. So hopefully it'll make you guys laugh too. But, um, let's see, it's Wednesday, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. This is going to be a Salt Lake City episode two recap. And I know the third episode has come out already. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you, I think most of you guys know it's on the Bravo app or it's on Twitter. So it airs tonight on uh, Bravo as well. So hopefully you can listen to this and it'll get you in the mood for episode three if you haven't seen it yet. And then next week we'll talk about episode three. I made a big announcement or I don't know if it's a big announcement. I I don't, it's like, yeah, it is a big announcement for me is that an uh, an opportunity has presented itself and I am considering going to a daily format with this podcast. So instead of one big five-hour episode that you, you know, have timestamps and stuff, there'll be one every day. So it's going to be the same podcast, but it's going to be split up. 
um, in a more kind of definitive chapters, if you will. So you'll still have my parents. You'll still have all the interviews. In fact, I was going to release, I said this already on the first uh, thing, but if you, you didn't listen to the first episode, I have a great guest. I have the executive producer of Summer House and Family Karma. Uh, he is going to be on next week. And we did this amazing two-hour interview that I'm really proud of. And I didn't want to put that out over Thanksgiving because I know you guys are busy. So I don't know. Listening ha- listening habits get weird over the holidays, which I totally get because I just spent an hour in bed staring at the ceiling and I didn't want any noise. And uh, <laughs> so I'm with my folks right now. My mom is banging away in the other room. She ch- she'll probably come check in on me at some point because obviously I she doesn't trust that I can believe, you know, breathe by myself or, uh, take care of my, you know, it's just constant reminders of things. She's like, you know, there's water in the fridge, huh? And they'd be like, Oh, we have coffee. And I like all of these, like, you're like, Oh, I didn't bring the monk fruit, uh, from home. So you'll just, you know, there's regular sugar, like just things that I'm just like, I not even, I, I just, it, ooh, ooh, that was Siri. Siri just, I don't think Siri likes me talking about my mom. Um, so uh, this will be a journey. Uh, my dad's upstairs. I went upstairs to, uh, uh, say hi to him and he was doing yoga, which is just very like, if I could go back in time and say like one day you'll visit your parents, you'll visit with your parents and your dad will be upstairs doing yoga. I would be like, where did you come from? Why are you telling me this? Who are you? Get out of my house. You know? Um, so anyways, Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Oh, also, I got to tell you. Okay, so so many of you guys reached out and told me to watch The Undoing, which is on HBO Max with Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. And I really, it's it. my concentration is just so bad lately because of reality shows and social media. So I started watching it and it's really good. I'm like three episodes in and it's just so different to watch like um, scripted television again when you're just used to watching reality shows you know like there's a difference like there's like you know they're like weaving a story and i'm like slam the table smack her run away say she smells like hospital immediately you know like i i'm just i have to retrain myself to read books and it's like it must be like learning to walk again i'm just trying to learn like how do you read more than two pages at a time how do you read something that's not 140 characters in length just that's more than on like on twitter so um, it's going to be a journey, but that's what 2021 is going to be all about folks. Um, so I hope you guys are having a, a good time wherever you're at. I know a lot of people aren't able to be with their families, uh, this Thanksgiving. And I just, that's horrible. And I just want to say that I think next year, next Thanksgiving, we are all going to be laughing and singing and dancing. And that's going to be at Buca de Beppo. I mean, that's what, you know what? That's what we should do folks. What do we say? We do that. Maybe that's the Buca de Beppo <laughs> Thanksgiving. I take you away from all of your families and we go and we have, we have a friends giving Thanksgiving, Buka giving, Bravo giving at Buka de Beppo. Like think of it, the t-shirts alone, Thanksgiving at Buka, Thanksgiving at Dorit's room at Buka. Can't you see that little turkey legs and it has Dorit's face on the end of the, the turkey leg. Oh my God. It's like perfect. I am scared though. So they they did the restaurant closing again in uh, in Los Angeles, and that starts takes into effect tonight. And Lisa uh, Vanderpump has been posting some cryptic tweets on her Twitter feed 
you know, um, kind of poking at G- Gavin Newsom because he was spotted at a, a party, a dinner party, more than 10 people. And it's like, dudes, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you can't follow the rules that you set for shame, for shame on you. I do not care which party you are, but if you're going to set rules, you better damn well follow them to lead by example. So that was exam- uh, ex- embarrassing that Gavin Newsom, our, our governor, uh, did that. Uh, but then somebody posted that they saw pump. They saw all the furniture being taken out of pump and put into vans. And it's like, oh, is Lisa pulling up, pulling up shop? Like, is it, is it, is this, I mean, I know this is crazy, but like, is it over? Like, I mean, wouldn't that be wild if just this wipes out the whole circuit? I don't know. Like, that would be crazy. What are your thoughts on that? Is that like, okay, well, that's fine. We had our moment. Or no, that should be there forever. I don't know. My friend always has this. Like, I remember when the when all this uh, first started in the quarantine and like some of my favorite places were going out of business and there was a place on Hollywood uh, Boulevard. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Fr- uh, Musso and Franks. It was in the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it's one of the places where, you know, it, back in the, the 30s and 40s, it was open. It, it's a legendary spot and they give you the perfect martinis with a little sidecar. And I've taken my parents there a couple times and it's just like a real old school vibe, like wood, uh, really great bar to sit at, you know, but it's it's very old Hollywood and it had to close its doors, you know. And there's a bunch of other places too that uh, that uh, I'd frequent and I'd send my buddy Nick and I'd be like, Oh my God, can you believe this? And, and Nick always has this kind of interesting way of looking at it and he, where he's like, okay, yes, but we had our time there. And, and hopefully this means either they will find a way to come back bigger than ever, or it is time for something new to come in there and something new for other people to think is cool and start a tradition or something. And of course that's the positive way to look at it, but, uh, sometimes it's still, I know pains all of us that some of our favorite places are closing. So I really hope um, that somebody steps in eventually. And, you know, some of these places are real landmarks. And I think it gives the culture of each of our cities that we live in uh, that it, that it's it's just these places that are part of the ingrained DNA of these places. So anyways, that, that got a little serious. Uh, sorry about that. Fart joke, fart joke. Uh, real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I know I have, I got to tell you, I know I keep talking about this, but it's like, it's like Christmas morning and you liked all of your gifts. You're like, Santa brought me everything. How did Santa know? I didn't even write that thing down. I got the, I got the red Ryder BB gun with Salt Lake city. You know, it really truly is a magnificent show what they put together and, and airing it after, after OC is such a detriment to it because OC, even if like I guys, I watch every episode of OC. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't boycotted OC, but it's bad. It's on its last legs. Like it needs a complete overhaul from top to bottom. None of those ladies work together. Like Emily and Gina, you'd be like, oh, they have a natural friendship. Yeah, but it's not fun to watch. I mean, it's like, it's like a, a, a very light appetizer. It's like the salad you don't touch before the meal. You know, it's like, okay, cute. I'm glad it's here, I guess. Uh, Shannon Bedore cannot anchor a series because She's crazy, but then you realize she's not even fun crazy. She's just kind of like, oh, setting her ways crazy and also too crazy to actually 
be able to lead. And that's when you start thinking about these reality shows in terms of sport, you know, my buddy Tug was on um, a couple, like a, a month or so ago, talking about the Bachelorette and how it is kind of sport, you know, is that there is a sport to this. And if you think of the Housewives, it's the same thing. People plotting against each other to raise their social standing. And we already see it on fire on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which I think is just incredible. Like the the first three episodes, it's, it's chef's kiss after, after chef's kiss because you know, when you see, when you guys, we all watch these shows now so much that we know when we can, you know, those like, there's those housewives or reality shows that we put on because we can scroll on our phone at the same time. And it's like, well, we know, we know what we're getting. Okay. That's a scene with Emily and Gina. Okay. That's a scene with Shannon and John. And you can be on your phone and messing around with Salt Lake city. You don't want to be messing on your phone because there's so much happening. I took notes on episode three already. And the notes took me, I shit you not, two hours to take because I had to keep pausing. Because what I'll do is I'll type stream of consciousness my notes, like what I'm seeing on the screen. And I misspell every other word, but I can read it usually. And um, and But then I, w- I was having to pause with this and go back and think about things. And like, I know that sounds silly for a reality show, but I'm telling you, it was really nice. It's like getting water after you're so thirsty that I just want as much as I can. Give it to me all. Give it to me all. Give it to me all. And it, it really was nice. It's it's nice to see shows like that. And it makes me realize or makes me remember why I loved these Housewives franchises. Because remember season one or of OC or New Jersey or even Beverly Hills, those first couple seasons, how magical they were. Like we had not seen anything like it. They really delved into the minutia of family life, whether it be Jersey with the Gorgas and the Giudicis or, you know, Beverly Hills. You had the Kim, uh, you know, you know, the Richard sisters uh, dilemma and and with Kim, um, you know, having a drug problem with OC. You had Vicky and Dawn and her family trying to get into the family van like these were actual real relationships that were already formed. So what I what I keep saying about uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and I'll keep screaming it, is that we have to remember these shows work when the casting is right. If the casting is right, everything else falls into place. Because if you're casting right, you know that there are actual relationships with these ladies. And you you flesh out this world. My guest next week, Ian, the producer, talks about there's a show Bible for these shows. Now, a show Bible is, they do this with scripted television mostly, but reality shows as well, where you'll print out all of the characters. You'll say, like, their likes, their dislikes, you know, what their relationships is with, like, say, Carl, with Lindsay and Summerhouse, with Carl. And, you know, so it'll all be in this Bible that production will get or that they can give to Bravo or something. And it kind of explains the concept of the show, the possible show angles that we have, things like that. I would kill to get my hands on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Bible because I'm sure it is chock full of good information and plots where it can already go. And I bet it's thick. Right, ladies? Thick. Hey, girth joke. Uh <laughs> Hey, it's just a, hey, it's 11 a.m. girth joke for you. Um, I'm so sorry. My mom probably heard that. I'm so ashamed of myself. How did I become like this? This is just, I shouldn't be encouraged. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, so there's a show Bible and that's why like you think of a show like OC and it's got to be the thinnest Bible ever because what are you going to put? They don't really have natural relationships with each other anymore. My, uh, the other thing. So casting is one, two is putting time into it is shooting enough 
where you do not force plot lines. On Salt Lake City, I have a feeling that they shot for four more months than usual shows do. We do, like I said, we see a, a flashback in this episode where it says four months earlier. And it was just one tiny scene. And that's all we've seen for four months earlier. But that already means cameras were out there. And remember, they switched production companies. So, like, I am of the mind of, like, okay, they are trying everything to make this work. And that makes you feel comforted. They're like, they really, the production company behind this knows what they're doing and they are really getting those results. Of course, this is just three episodes in. We could completely falter after this. So, uh, so let's get into this recap, shall we? And let's remind ourselves of some of these characters. So you got Lisa Barlow, okay? Lisa Barlow owns Vita Tequila and all of those liquor brands. Uh, she's also married to a dude. She's Jewish but converted to Mormonism with her family. She has two kids. They uh, She never cooks meal. They just eat fast food. Like So dream mom there. She also looks like Meredith, Meredith Marks. Meredith Marks has the gay son, Brooks, who took a semester off of college to be with his family. We learn a very big piece of information in this episode about uh, Meredith and her husband. Which, like, I don't I don't care for her husband because I like Meredith. Um, and also she has a daughter named Chloe, which we meet, who we meet in the third episode, I believe. So you have those. And now Meredith and Lisa look very similar to each other, but they're also really good friends. Uh, they met each other on a friend's date. There was, like, a friend's date set up, and Lisa Barlow was late, and Meredith. So anyways, they have an established relationship. Uh, you also have Mary H. Cosby. Mary H. Cosby is woo there's no way she's making it past this season because she inherited a place called Faith Temple, which is listed as a cult online. She also is known for not liking the smell of hospital and marrying her step-grandfather. Not by choice, but it was in her grandmother's will. She was also left Faith Temple and is now the... Uh, the head pastor, I guess. I don't know if that's what you call it at Faith Temple. The reason I say she will not make it, not because of her step-grandfather marrying him or anything like that, but there is so many accusations against Faith Temple. If you dig, you will see a lot of people. There are rumors of embezzling. And of course, we see that Mary has a very penchant for um, high fashion clothing that doesn't really fit her properly. So, And also, if you look at old pictures of Mary, looks totally different. To the point where I'm like, did she do that to like erase the old Mary because that would have relation to her step grandfather? I mean, I was trying to go so deep with this, and it's probably she just wanted herself to to look differently. But it it um, she looks so different, you guys. You guys need to really check out a picture of that. So okay, we have that. We have Heather Gay. Now Heather is fascinating, and in the the. I'm trying to, is it the third episode or the, she has a baby shower for all of like six girls that are in, that work at her skin spa, which is supposedly valued at $10 million. And they're all pregnant at the same time because something's in the water in Utah. And which I think that just means being young and Mormon in Utah, but she got divorced, not by her choice. Her husband wanted to divorce her and it really threw her off her game. And I think she is possibly the moral center of this show. Because she's a little wacky in the sense that she got really offended that Lisa Barlow did not remember her from college and called her a good time girl, which I think is just an amazing, like, I would love to be called a good time guy. Like, you know, which good time girl supposedly meant she was like flashing at BYU and Heather was like, I did not flash. There is no way I flashed you guys. I did not flash. 
Also, I kind of think maybe she did flash, but who cares, right? But also, Heather, you believe her. And also, in the third episode, she says something amazing where she her, her friends ask her, like, well, you were in a loveless marriage. I mean, would you have wanted to stay in that? You know? And she goes, yes, 100%. It's a sacrament within the Mormon church. It is a sacrament. I took a vow. And, you know, I really related to that because when I, uh, when I uh, split up, when, when my marriage uh, split, um, it... It was the thing that the first year and a half that I could barely sometimes look at myself in the mirror. And I don't like to look at myself in the mirror. But honestly, it was hard for me to look at myself in the mirror because I really had this. hmm, I had this. Like, how do you how do you face your friends again and the world when you stood up in front of people and made a vow? saying that you would always be with this person. And then that didn't come true. And it was very shameful. And it still is to a degree because also I'm like, well, at this point, then who else would want to be with somebody like that, that couldn't make something work that they said that they would make work, you know, and that still hangs heavy. And I don't, I don't think about it as as daily as I used to, but it was really hard where it was like, well, I know going out that I'm a joke, you know, that I don't, my word doesn't mean shit, you know, like you really, I really had those thoughts. So I really felt for Heather. And I think it's even more intense because that religious element to it of like, I'm going against God almost. And it's not even my choice. It's my husband's. I, I, you know, so I thought that was such a fascinating and it really gives, I, I keep screaming this. It gives this show a weight the Mormon backdrop or the religious backdrop, even with Mary's Pentecostal religion, it gives it such a backdrop that you're just like, this is the real deal. This is the real deal. Like this is like real life. You, 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 it kind of all of a sudden elevates from just housewives to seeing something real. And I think that's the stuff when you can blend those two, it gives me goose pimples, which by the way, I just want you to know, I don't actually say goose pimples in my real life, but somehow when I turn the mic on, those are the words I end up saying are things like goose pimples or ah shucks. And like, I don't say those or like, I'll knock you off your coal mining ass. I don't say those in my real life. I don't know what it is about a mic turning on where I'm like, this is going to knock you off your coal mining asses. <laughs> so, okay. So you have Heather. Um, who am I? Oh, Whitney. Whitney now. Whitney is a blonde girl. And by the way, I have a lot of people that have asked me how old Whitney is. Uh, I have it on a good source. That she is 32 years of age. That she is 32 years of age. Now, remember, Whitney is the one that we learned in the first episode got re- renewed her vows, and she is married to somebody 18 years older than her. Uh, they met. They had a hot and heavy office romance, and uh, they're like, they're kid, like you know, but they were both married to other people at the same time. Then she got pregnant, and at her wedding, she was pregnant, and she was wearing her prom dress from high school. So. But they're still together, and she has a stripper pole in her house. This is also the person that I want to point out is friends with Lydia from the OC, which she's a wackadoo and a half. Um, and I saw her in the background in a couple of the scenes at the wedding on the first episode. I don't know if you guys caught that. She wasn't highlighted or even credited, but she was definitely there. Um, so Whitney has a lot of stuff, too, because we meet Whitney's dad in this episode. And Whitney's dad is, I mean, he's struggling with a pill and drug addiction, which is just is heartbreaking, but his hair is also heartbreaking. His hair, he we find out he's a hairstylist, which is just like, what? 
foot. He has like the hair. I've, I've done a post about this, but his hair is such a mixture of like Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls, a soccer mom, Stefan from Saturday Night Live, Chris Jenner, all the greats. It's all in one man. And he kind of has his Bill Clinton way. He's like, hey, I haven't been Whitney, I haven't been to church in a while. Yeah, I'd like to go to Mary's church. That sounds real nice. You know, he has that kind of draw, like this kind of whisper draw. And if you look, he kind of has like a big red bulb, like Rudolph nose a little bit. And he has this like weird. I, I, I've been practicing my imitation of him. Uh, and I'm not even good at imitations, but for some reason he inspires me. So hopefully he's in more this season because I really thought he he was very special. Uh, and of course, we have Jen Shaw. We have Jen Shaw. Uh, of course, she has the Shaw Squad, which are a bunch of like either unpaid interns like Sonia or she's actually paying them. But I don't get that. Her husband is Sharif, who is a assistant football coach. We've estimated his salary at $475,000. So there has to be family money because that is a lot of money, but not for the lifestyle Jen Shaw is leading. Now, Jen Shaw already seems like she is ready to rumble. She is like she almost studied Housewives, I feel, or somebody gave her a crash course. And she's like, yes, I will do all of that in the first three episodes. I have been made to be a perfect housewife. I will start trouble. I will say weird things. I will dress fancy. I am Jen Shaw robot. And what annoyed me about Jen Shaw, uh, which by the way, I think in the fourth episode, they're going to humanize her a little bit. Cause we saw in the preview, she visits her dead father's grave, which by the way, I don't even need to see dead. If you're at a grave, you're dead. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> her alive father's graveyard. No. So we see that scene, but she's really a lot. These first three episodes and on Twitter, she's a lot. I got to say that somebody that's on Twitter a lot, there is no way that Jen Shaw is running her Twitter account. In fact, I bet I know the person running her Twitter account because I, I bet you anything I know exactly who's running her Twitter account. And I'm not going to say it here, but I'm going to reach out to this person because I'm almost positive it's this person, guy or girl. Um, because Twitter is like a it's like a style. You know, and it's not a good style, but it's a style. And there's like a right way to Twitter, like or I guess a cool hip way to Twitter. And there's a, and Jen Shaw is immediately tweeting like she's been tweeting for years and knows all of the Twitter bits that everybody does. And I'm just like, there's no way Jen just picked up on Twitter out of nowhere and became perfect at it. You know, so I believe she's hired somebody to do that. Um, but who knows? I could be completely wrong. And she's just naturally a genius, which would just be amazing if that was the case, too. Then it would be like. Oh my God, we have somebody, we have somebody inhuman on our hands. So she's one to watch as well. So that's like, that's the cast. And we've got all these spinoff characters. Like I said, with Whitney, her father, we still haven't really met her husband that much. Whitney, there, there's just so much to dig into here um, that it left me wanting more and more and more. And if I had all, however many episodes they're going to do, I would have binged them all within that day. And what excites me is that I'm like, I'm already excited for this reunion and we're three episodes in there. I just, I, I cannot say enough good things. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you're already watching it. But if not really, I got to say, I give this the, the, the baddies approval The so bad. It's good stamp of approval is run. Don't walk the, I mean, run, don't walk to your couch so you can sit down again and watch this thing. So Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, episode two is called A Snow Lot of Trouble. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like I got, we got like, 
I feel like I need, I want to work on one of these shows and like, is there, is this like a, like, does everybody that work on the show get to put in like uh, choices or like, I'll put in one and then they pick one out of a hat. Cause you could also go with like a uh, ho, 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 lot of trouble or no, you could put um, uh, it's, well, maybe this is harder than I, it's um, hazardous. No, no, but you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I, it's harder than I thought. So, so what? Leave me alone. By God. Okay. So also I got to say these shows start and this is the other thing that I loved about this show. The music is amazing. So it's like the normal housewives music, but then there's like a haunt. There's a different layer. There's a haunting synth. There's like me, and you have like a choral. You hear these certain notes that are choral arrangements of like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> my parents are like, ha 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 which is like the mormon tabernacle choir but they use them just in these like random moments and it gives me chills it's like eyes wide shut mixed with the housewives i swear to god i think this is the first one that i hope they release the soundtrack on vinyl because i would snap this vinyl up in a case you'd be like hey um i'm gonna open up a bottle of wine do you want me to put on some music and she'd be like yeah and i'll be like all of a sudden you hear ha 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 <laughs> I was in show choir in high school, so I, it's legal for me to do this. Do you ever do that where you just make sounds? It's what I, what I imagine like living with Jim Carrey's like, where he's like, I'm crying. In, in Utah, the snow is cold, but the nights are hot. <laughs> you smell like hospital. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy. Oh my god, I'm dizzy. <laughs> She was a good time girl. <laughs> my name is Brooks. I've stayed home this semester to be with my mom. a kidney or something oh okay so it starts off with that synth music like oh no. <laughs> okay we start we start at jen shaw's whew, shaw ski chalet and we're at the party that jen shaw threw for meredith but remember the party was like pretty much jen's party like she had like tongan dancers from her like you know, her nationality and like the, the step and repeat thing that you took photos in front of said like Jen Shaw, <laughs> Jen, Jen is yelling. And so we ended last week, the first episode with Mary doing that hospital thing. And Jen Shaw was like, you know, stormed off. And then you heard her on mic in the other room, like, don't you fucking come from my family. 
which is like that. Um, do you guys remember that Mel Gibson movie Ransom, where like he goes, "Give me back my son." <laughs> so, hey, uh, I'm worried about this podcaster guy. He just he just lost it with choral arrangements and then brought up Mel Gibson's Ransom. Okay, so. Uh, Jen is yelling at Cammy, her hairstylist, and, uh, you know, is just, she's just like that lady who had cancer and almost had it amputated. That's who raised me, bitch. So how dare, like, she's just like losing it on Mary. She's like, you're disparaging my family. Are you fucking kidding me right now? And in a ridiculous, in, in a talking head, we see Heather, who's the blonde one, um, who's divorced. Heather says, this is ridiculous. We're fighting about this at Meredith's birthday party. And then we, you know, go back to, to uh, Jen and she's like, she's at my goddamn house looking like a goddamn Christmas tree. She needs to scrub her ass with her loofah looking ass, which is, I can't even make a joke on that. Like the joke is she already did it. She did the work for us, folks. She did the work for all the memers out there. Because Mary is in a Christmas tree looking dress that looks like loofah material that you could scrub your butt with. And um, it really has turned me off of loofahs or showering in general ever since this image has popped into my head. And it's all, you know, it's just weird. Mary's clothes are always so ill-fitting for being so expensive. And also it reminded me of a green version of Madonna's uh, Like a Virgin album cover. You know, I don't know if you guys remember Madonna, but she was like laying out. It's like Mary kind of looked like Madonna in that cover. So Mary is hearing this kind of outdoor and walks in the door and Heather's in there comforting Jen with this team of ladies, ladies. And and Heather goes to Jen, what do you want to do? Here she is. And Jen's like, why did you say that? And Mary goes, because I did. Woo. And she goes, I didn't say she smelled like hospital. I said it smelled like hospital. And I think that's just, that's such a huge, that really makes it better. You know, I didn't say she smelled like hospital. It smells like hospital. So I think that's a huge, it's all in the wording. And um, there's a talking head where Mary goes, I don't care. This entire crew smells like hospital. And we find out Mary's gripping story that she went to get all of her odor glands removed and she had 12 surgeries and two of those surgeries, uh, they almost lost her on the table. And so it brings up bad memories. Guys, what does that even fucking mean? We lo- we removed our odor glands. Is that illegal? Are we allowed to just remove glands that like, so what does that mean? She doesn't smell like I'm so confused with how women's bodies work. I'm so confused. I've learned so much this year doing this podcast. I mean, I'm learning about people can Botox their armpits so they don't sweat. And then the sweat comes out of their butt. I, I'm, I'm, you can remove an odor gland so you don't smell. And also if, if, if Mary's odor glands are smell, why don't you have the smell gland removed so she can't smell hospital at all? Like, why would you get the odor gland removed? I don't, I, I'm so this is what I'm talking about. This needs to be a spinoff series like Bethany ever after or Jackson, Brittany take Kentucky. It needs to be Mary and her odor glands. And I just need a whole series, a whole series on what happened with this odor gland thing. It can be 12 episodes, one for each surgery. We interview the doctors. We interview Mary, her step grandfather, the whole thing. And we get to the bottom of this because you can't just do that in the first scene of one of these episodes and just tell us the odor glands get removed and then drop it. Like I, I'm, 
like they're I'm 30 minutes into this thing later and I'm like what's going on with Mary's odor glands like I wonder like so in this scene she just doesn't smell at all like what's got what what this I this needs to be on the ballot next time we need we can't let odor glands just being removed all willy-nilly so we're in a new scene uh Meredith is in a pink dress and Whitney is there the blonde the young blonde and she is there and they're talking to Mary's assistant. Uh, Meredith now goes in to check on them and Jen and Mary are fighting at the party. And Meredith comes in. It's like, ladies, ladies, ladies. She kind of has a lower voice, very sultry. I mean, I get it. Sultry or stupid. I mean, you could do it. You could probably go either way. Um, she's like, I'm not going to get into right or wrong, but we are here to have fun. Remember, this is supposedly Meredith's birthday party. And remember, Meredith is in this, like, really, like, insane pink dress that is, like, very hip and fluffy and pink. Um, so Jen hops up uh, and is like, you don't want to talk about it when it's your fault, Mary. And Meredith goes, now is not the time. And Mary goes, I'm sorry. If I hurt you, I would never want to hurt you. So she tries to defuse it. And she and then Mary on top of it goes, come here, please, come here, come here. And Mary tries to hug her. And she's like, this is Zen Jen. And they're talking that she's like, I don't buy it, Mary M. Cosby. Cosby. I'm watching you. And I love how Jen Shaw always calls her Mary M. Cosby. Like, that is so, it's like Ryan K. Bailey. Like, I love, like, that is such a unique way to, like, I really feel like we do need to bring more of that back of calling people by their middle initials. You know, I think we, that is something. So Jen really is trend setting in so many ways and if i get the opportunity or pleasure to speak with jen as i am now part of the shaw squad according to instagram she uh, dm'd me and let me in i'm hoping to ask her just that question so if anybody knows jen shaw please reach out to her and let me talk to her which is by the way bravo is such dicks their pr team sometimes it's like I was almost able to talk to John Pringle and really go at it if he's ugly or not. And then Bravo PR won't let him talk to me. And it's like, dude, I swear that you got to you got to support the fandom. And it isn't just two two podcasts you can go to. There is a world of other podcasts. I'm telling you, it is smart in the long run. You are going to get good stuff out of it. Bravo PR, if you're listening, help me help you. So that's just me whining. So Mary says, um, you know, hug me and Mary M. Cosby, I'm watching you. Now we're back to the party. Party. Whitney says hi to Lisa Barlow. And Lisa says, you know, like, what have you been doing? Lisa's like, I've been busy. So Lisa gifted Vita Tequila. This is crazy, guys. Vita Tequila and her staff to Whitney's uh, engagement, uh, vow renewal. And that was like Lisa's gift. And we find out from Winnie that it was kind of a mess. And Winnie's like, my brand new house was completely fucked up. Like, I guess what happened is that these servers like kind of drank her actual booze and got messed up and kind of created a mess more than they were helping. And Winnie's delicately telling this to Lisa. And she's like, some of my husband's really nice whiskey was opened. And uh, <laughs> Lisa's like, well, I gave you top shelf tequila. Ours is top shelf. And Whitney's like, we ran out at 6 p.m. And Lisa's like, that's crazy. We sent enough for 500 people. And she goes in a talking head, if you give a Chanel necklace and you choke on it, that's not my fault. 
And Whitney's like, well, I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble. And Lisa says, well, it doesn't sound like it went well. And you can tell this really sticks in Lisa's craw. And the thing is, I completely believe Whitney in this. I believe she did not give enough tequila for 500 people. Or, by the way, if you do like a serving size, you could legitimately say 10 bottles of tequila would be for 500 people. You could legitimately make that argument. So you hear 500 people, it doesn't say, it's not as much as you say. But also, I used to work in bar like scenarios like that. And I got to tell you, my bar staff, bar staffs usually do. They usually try to sneak shots. They usually end up getting hammered. They're trying to have fun, the whole thing, you know? So I believe Whitney on this. But also, I didn't think Whitney was coming that hard at Lisa for this. Um, also, I do have to mention, I briefly saw Brooks, Meredith's son, talking to Mary in the background, which is just like, I would kill to know what those two were talking about. Like, Mary's like, you know, uh, my followers think of me as the, you know, Christ-like figure. And Brooks is like, I know, but I hate your outfit. Uh. Um, Whitney uh, tells Lisa, goes, well, you're beautiful and I really appreciate you. And Lisa's like, yeah, let's talk about other stuff. Lisa then tells Meredith, I had to go, and tells Meredith the whole story that Whitney had come just come up and tell her. Like, Lisa's heated. And Whitney says, I don't even drink Vita tequila. I keep my Casamigos in the back. Damn! Casamigos, of course, tequila of Denise Richards and Aaron Pfeiffer's, so we know it's good. Uh, but Whitney at this point realizes Lisa's mad because she's kind of saying that Lisa isn't perfect, which remember that is another thing of the Mormon religion is that they're so striving for perfection. So you saying that something isn't perfect about something that somebody gives you as a gift is a kind of a direct assault, or at least in Lisa's eyes, I believe. Uh, so there's a new scene. We have Omar and Sharif and Jen. We're at uh, Jen's house and it's getting cleaned after the huge party. Uh, oh no, sorry. We're at Sharif's house, Sharif and Mary's house, but then Sharif comes in and he's kind of like seeing all the stuff be cleaned up. And he thought it was just like small get together. So he's like, whoa, that's kind of weird. Then we go to Whitney's. We see Whitney has a stripper pole and she lets us know she was raised in suppression her whole life. Her daughter asks her, um, what else have you been doing your whole life that I don't know? Which is just a dark question for a little girl to ask their mother. And Honestly, I um, I wanted to know. I wanted to know myself. I was like, answer your daughter. I would like to know now what you've been up to. Then we see Heather calling Meredith. Uh, she is trying on ski gear. Uh, Asked Meredith if she's recovered from her birthday party. And Heather's like, let's do a ski trip. And they set up on a phone call, which is, by the way, you got to love it. They're already setting up excursions. I love those awkward conversations where they're like, Heather, you're going to call Meredith and say, you want to do a ski trip. So we get one of these and you know, that's like old school housewife stuff. Meredith is like, yes, let's make this happen. So now we have a new scene. Lisa is talking about Sundance and having bottles done by Shorvosky. Yeah. It's that crystal place. You girl, you ladies know. Shorvosky, Shorkosky. You know, the, the the fancy crystal maker things. I always see it in, like, magazines and Shvorsky. It's the, so what I'm, she's going to have fancy Shvorsky bottles made. And uh, that'll be nice for a Sundance party. And she's, you know, 
She's talking to John, her husband. Also, do you notice Lisa and John's house looks very Kanye and Kim's house? It's very bare, uh, very tall ceilings. Um, it creeps me out. I don't like those bare houses. I, I need I need comfort in the um, in the way of um, things. Uh, possessions, objects. I need those things all around me at all times. I am not detached from possessions. Even my DVDs, uh, CDs, I still have. So she's talking to her husband and she's saying, the last person I want to hang out on a ski mountain is with Whitney. And she's like, I don't want to lose our liquor license because of a stupid party, which by the way, she would not lose her liquor license because of that. But I mean, I see she's trying to make it a bigger thing than it is. John says, you're way too generous as usual, which is what I realized from these housewife shows is that guys, when guys are done correctly, when they're properly used by women, it's just to support the female. Guys really mess up whenever they go against that. You know, whenever like guys are just there, I think for these shows to listen and to say, I support you, you know, and that's what I feel like women need us guys for like, you know, but like we screw it up. We do all these other stupid things, but in reality, that's the thing that we're supposed to do is just listen, dude, just listen. Don't just, just, and by the way, women already know the right thing to do. Like, so even I even discovered this is like, I would like try to give advice and you know, my, my ex would be like, I, I literally don't need you. <laughs> I literally don't need your advice. I'm just talking. And I think that's great. And so Lisa is monologuing in the scene and we do see that John is a man of few words, but it works. And he go, he goes, do you want listening or feedback? And she's just like, yeah, I just want to talk. And I think that's brilliant. I think that is brilliant of John who really very, um, non John's very non-assuming. I know Meredith's husband's getting a lot of um, praise for being a hot house husband, and this guy's not really getting any, but he seems like a, a nice guy. He seems like he knows his place. So then we find out that after the party, Whitney sent Lisa a text and said, uh, you know, trying to make up for it. And I said, let's call her. And Lisa called her and Gave her some quote unquote friendly advice and I was done, Lisa says, but we don't know exactly what was said. So the new scene, uh, once again, the music is amazing. We get a ha ah, ah, ha ah. ha. So that's just already amazing. We're at the powder house, which is a ski shop. Heather needs to get new ski boots. Uh, Whitney is bringing her snowboard in. That's when you know Whitney's very young. She's a snowboarder. You're like, that's not somebody in their 40s. That's, um, I mean, that's not true. I do know a lot of 40 years old at snowboard, but you know, when he's like, Hey, you know, I'm shocked Whitney didn't like skateboard in. I'm like, Calabunga, dude. <laughs> it's just, just crushing a Red Bull when she walks in. Um, Heather wants to look hot on the slopes. She wants the boots to make her look good. And she's like, if you live here and don't ski, it is a tragedy, which I imagine. Yeah. Like if you live in a place that has beautiful skiing, that sucks. But I do have to say, I live near an ocean and I ne never go to it, you know? So um, she's doing the squeaking, like squeak, squeak, squeak with the, the boots. And she's like, this is like making the squeaking sounds on your grandma's mattress, ee, 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 which I thought that was really cute and funny. Um, they so Hey, put extra wax on Whitney's board, which I think was a sexual on like a, I don't know. Uh, Whitney asks, uh, what Heather did, uh, what Heather thought of the party. Heather says, overall, I was pretty unprepared for how much Lisa, 
completely dismissed me. Remember, Lisa Barlow acts like she doesn't remember Heather from college. And this, you might say, is like a really petty fight, but there's much deeper elements in this because we've all been at that place where we have a friend or an acquaintance that just never seems to like you. You cannot be good enough for this person. So you really, you walk around feeling bad when this person's there because they never give you the time of day. It's a really hurtful thing. We've all experienced that. I, we've all experienced, and by the way, we probably don't know it, but we're probably like that for somebody else that is probably always like, oh, Ryan always dismisses me or something, you know? And I think for the most part, Lisa is so up her own ass that she does not even realize potentially that she does this. Um, and Heather says, I feel sad. My feelings were hurt. And this is why I love Heather. She's just very, you know, this hurt my feelings. And Whitney's like, so you haven't talked to her? And she says, no. And she asks, why did you invite her then? And Heather's like, well, she's part of our group and I want to try. And then Whitney reveals the conversation with Lisa. She said, Lisa called her and said, do not talk bad about my entities. And if you do, I will spread rumors that you are swingers. You and your husband are in the wife-husband swapping community. Huge swinger. She'll let people know. And it's like, whoa. So after that conversation at Mary's party, at Jen's party, that conversation happened where it's like, don't you ever tell anybody about that tequila story again. And if you do, I'm going to spread the rumor that you're a swinger. And they, we also learn a little piece of history about the swinger community and, uh, you know, plural marriages. And in back in the old days, they would have a can wire phone system, like cans from house to house. So whenever federal marshals would come in to break up these plural marriages, they would send messages to hide the wives, which is just like, uh, I'm sorry, Real Housewives of OC. Try to compete with that. Try to compete with a wire phone can system. That is incredible. Wow. Uh, Whitney says she follows all the guidelines and, and I was still unhappy on the inside when she was a Mormon, she says. She chose, like, you know, she was saying she was the perfect Mormon girl. Um, she even at one point chose a three-week church history tour instead of going on a vacation with her friends. And then one time she had a boyfriend and she her boyfriend gave her a beer and it really opened <laughs> really opened up things for her. And she's like, am I doing all of this just to fit in? I love that a can of beer opened up things for Whitney, which, by the way, I now I need to know what was it a Bud Light? Was it a high? Was it a Corona light? Like, I mean, like what kind of beer was it? A cider? I mean, this is like, this is the fascinating details I need. But she all of a sudden realized, like, I'm just trying to fit the image of a good Mormon girl. And she also mentions with her husband, they don't see the true love story between me and my husband. They see me as being a homewrecker because he was married at the time, which, by the way, is kind of bullshit, too, because usually most men are the pursuers of women, um, I believe. I mean, I know women can like, but like, I think women have to like make that. I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I should, ha I should ha ask uh, the next woman I have on about this. Uh, Heather says Lisa thinks she's better than us. So she feels entitled. Uh, Lisa's judgment is on another level. And I kind of tend to agree with them after this stuff. Um, you don't have to prove yourself to Lisa Barlow. Um, Heather says, and Heather tries to then, uh, uh, solicit the ski instructor. I think she's just doing flirties with the ski instructor. So now we're in a new scene where Whitney's house, uh, Brooks six is on the phone. Whitney says, get off the phone. It sucks your brain out. Like he's like playing on her iPhone. And, and Whitney's like, are you guys excited to see grandpa? And then Whitney's father comes and he's like, Hey, wit, Hey, wit. And we see her father who is just the magnificent, 
bed of hair on his head is just fascinating, like I've said. And she was like, growing up, I was definitely a daddy's girl. He, uh, you know, he went with me to every dance competition. If I had trouble with friends or guys who would be right there, my dad was my best friend. And uh, she's like, did you find the fur coat? And he's like, yeah, it was in the storage unit. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, it makes me so sad my dad has been addicted to painkillers the last 10 years. His whole, he had a, like his, his whole thing, like he had a hair salon. He made all his money in hair care and had a hair care line, but his dad's, her dad's addiction took over his life. And so he's starting again at the age of 63. And he's like, I prayed for the rain. Now I have to deal with the mud. And my mom, her, Whitney's mom chose to divorce him. And that's when he turned to the prescription drugs. And Whitney tells her dad, I, I am going to go to Mary's church. Do you want to go? And he goes, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a Bill Clinton a little bit. Like, yeah, it's like a draw. It's kind of stuck in the back of your throat, you know, and you just try to get it out. And it could be a yawn. Could be a yawn, which just could be a sentence, you know. Yeah, I want to go to that church. Sounds cool. <laughs> Somebody crash. Somebody's in their car listening to this, and they just crash. Um, so... That's cool. And, and Whit is the only one we find out that stood by her dad's side when everyone went away from him. Whitney was always there. And she goes, you look good, Dad. You got your light back in your eyes. So I want to make this very clear, too, is that I make fun of her dad's hair a lot, but I do not make fun of the scenario they're in. Um, I want to really differentiate that. I think, you know, when I make a meme or something, it's just a meme about what I'm seeing. It's not a meme about the inner person unless you're Jax. And then it's definitely a meme about the inner person. But like this guy is just like, whatever, you know, it's like, he's struggling, like he's struggling. And I, I really, that journey and somebody fighting to get back on top or back, get back to normal or a stasis level, I think is so encouraging. And I'm really excited to see this journey. And he says, it's going to, it's going to be a lifelong thing that I battle with. It's just something I have to deal with. So now we're in a new scene. It's Meredith and her husband, Seth, which this is what I'm saying. Seth isn't like, like, Seth isn't like fucking Mauricio. Like, why are we treating, like, like, are you really, are you women really thirsting for Seth? His name's Seth, for God's sakes. His name's Seth. Whatever. Seth can, Seth can get out of town for all I care. And Seth's like, you do look beautiful. And then he goes, I appreciate the eye contact. Which is already, if some dickhead says that to you, you know it's going to be followed up with some kind of shitty comment, which is where we go. And, and she's like... What, 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 who do I usually look at? And he, he goes, your phone. And she goes, I barely touched my phone today. And it's already, it's like, dick, mind your business. Mind your business. Also, I think some of the most romantic times ever, if you can hang out with a person and just be on your phones together and not say a word, but be in each other's presence. And then you kind of just make casual eye contact and you're like, yeah, we're both on our phones. And then you go back to being on your phone. I'm sorry, that's the height of romance. That's the height of romance, right? Am I wrong? And maybe you have some snacks. I don't know. So, um, or sip some wine. Uh, so he's already on her case about the phone. And he's like, your phone is playing the role of your husband. And, you know, because you hardly touch it today. So it's like, he's being just a smart ass. So they've been married for 24 years, um, but uh, he's head over heels in love. They were head over heels in love. So they just went for it at a young, young age. Um, and you know, then they had their kids and this is when we find out big information is that he asks who in your friend group have you told that we're separated? 
And by the way, they order a Vita Reposado, which Vita is the liquor brand of Lisa Barlow. So I thought that was a funny little uh, product placement. So we get some dirt here. We get that he that they're separated, you guys. And he's like, do all your friends know we've separated? And she's like, no, no. I'm trying to do, it's like, no, I'm not. It's like, like if your nose, like, no, I'm not running around talking about this with everyone. It's like kind of low and nasally. And he goes, do you think our marriage was made to last? And I got to tell you, go back and watch the scene. He is talking so weird and slow. It's like he's on pills or wasted or something. He's all like kind of splotchy red. And Meredith goes, I hope so. I hope our marriage is made to last. And she says, you know, over the years, our relationships broke down and we moved many times. And I was trying to run my company and he was trying to do his thing. And we got totally overwhelmed. We really disconnected and life changes and we have to grow with it. And he goes, yeah, but you have to, you put in the work. It's a two way street. You have to, uh, you have to work, you know, and you should put in a couple reps, a cut. Then he goes, you should put in a couple reps on the relationship, a couple extra miles on the treadmill. I'm sorry. I just don't like the way Seth is talking to her. I don't. And maybe it's because I'm in love with Meredith, but I don't, I do not like this. I do not like, I'm sorry. This is condescending bullshit to me. And she goes, tell me something I don't know about you. And he goes, what don't I know about you? He goes, I'm, she's like, what? No, he goes, tell me something I don't know about you. And she goes, what don't I know about you? And he goes, I'm so transparent. I'm so transparent. He's like, you can even read my phone here. Read, read every message on my phone. And she goes, I don't want to read your phone. And he goes, you would never hand me your phone because you're hiding something. And she goes, I am done with this conversation. And he goes, I want you to read my phone because I would think you actually cared. And I'm like, this is bullshit mental like gymnastics he's putting her through. This is like real low grade bullshit behavior, you know, and a talking head. He goes, I'm not dating anyone else. And I'm sure as hell hope she's not. And. Then they're back to the dinner. She goes, let's have a little fun. We're having, here to have a little fun. And then that's when the lady comes to get another drink. He's like, just in time, just in time to have fun. But I'm telling you, I think that little moment, that talking head of I'm not dating anyone else. And I sure as hell hope you're not. And there was like a little hesitation on her face. I have a prediction that I bet we find out that Meredith is dating somebody else. And if, if we do find that out, legendary status right there legendary so new scene heather is on the slope we are there we find out it's the best day ever for skiing mary is running late because she's waiting on a fedex package of clothing uh a very fancy brand um chanel uh we see mary get there and mary is talking about wedgies she's like i like to wear the brands that don't give you wedgies and chanel is like this which i you know chanel in a lot of their promotional materials has not used the wedgie thing, you know, like I've not heard a lot about wedgies in Chanel's promotion. Like, Hey, we have a very nice brand. Plus it will not ride up your ass. And I think this is just an uncharted territory. Mary's really opened a lane for them in terms of advertisement. Lisa says, if I can inspire people to ski and look good, that's my job. Lisa's feeling herself. Jen Shaw is in a new outfit. This is the glamor that we're looking for. I believe I'm usually, I don't pay much attention to outfits, but even I was like, wow, they look really fancy. Um, and Jen goes, they're going to think I'm on the black diamond because I look like a black diamond. Great line, Jen. 
Jen says, I see Mary, uh, um, I, I see Mary, but I moved on. I, you know, like Mary's here. I moved on. And she's like, bring it to the bunny hill, bitch. And they're walking up the slopes. Heather and Whitney are really good at skiing and snowboarding. Like Heather has been skiing all her life. And Heather says it's dry, light powder. It feels magical, best on earth. Uh, Meredith and Jen are being taught how to ski. Jen took a ski lesson yesterday at her house, which is just like her assistants put up some cones and she, you know, uh, rollerbladed around them. It was a really cute little fun scene. And all our Shaw squad was like, go, go, go. So now we're in a new scene. Meredith, Heather, and Whitney are talking. Whitney explains her thing with Lisa. And she's like, I just, I just had, and she has that baby doll voice. I just had some big understanding. I've known her for a couple years, but we have a hard time to communicate. And Lisa, we, this is the flashback we get from four months earlier. Cause Lisa says we need to style Whitney out cause her style is a little too Utah. And that was a flashback from four months ago of Lisa kind of slamming Whitney's style. So, um, so she lets her know about the subtle threats. If you talk about this, I'm going to talk about what people are talking about you in the swinger community, you know? And she says, I don't care what people think about you. But as your big sister, I think you should. Uh, so I think that's Meredith uh, giving Whitney that advice. Um, she's like, I know she strives for per perfection, but I'm messy around the edges. Meredith says, you should think she's caring instead of it being threatening. So she's saying, well, no, you should think of Lisa doing all that stuff as a caring thing, not threatening. And that's not what she's trying to communicate as far as I know, Meredith says. I imagine her uh, being intense was meant to be helpful and she's like let's see and then we get choirs oh so it's more choir music which is always exciting and now we have the ladies getting ready for dinner jen is getting helped into outfits by assistants so shaw squad is with jen it took them 2.5 hours to get ready um and heather's business party is at the table and they were actually going to close the restaurant early but they stayed open for them because they were so late um and Jen does this, the, the waitress asks if Jen wants a drink and Jen says, I'm going to start with water and then I'll probably advance from there. It was just iconic. That's how I want to order drinks from now on. I'm like, I'm going to start with water and then heavily advance from there. Um, uh, Connie, Whitney's friend says the best part of the day was watching all of your ski outfits. Whitney says, I'm, um, I'm, uh, Whitney says, I'm going to go to church with Mary and that her and her dad are coming. And that Mary said it's positive it would help her dad. Um, and we also find out, Whitney says, I've been my dad's financial and emotional support. And he's even concerning going back to the Mormon church. But that was an interesting little nugget. I've also been his financial support. And uh, they ask, would it make you feel better if he went to a different church? And Whitney goes, if someone touches him and says, you're okay, you're safe, that's what he needs. And Lisa says, that's the cultural... Um, side of the church, you know, and, and, you know, is that the cultural side of the church can be very judging and dismissive and turn people away when they should be pulling them back in. And when he says, why do we judge each other? You know, I, I've, uh, I've felt judged many times. Lisa says, I think it's better just to come out and say it if you're thinking it. And Whitney says, I feel judged by you, Lisa. And Mary says, just listen to her. Just listen to her. Whitney says, we've had our misunderstandings and disagreements. We had that combo after Jen's party, and I felt very threatened. And Lisa says, that's because you feel threatened. I that's because you feel threatened. I don't threaten people. When I said Whitney to discuss her issues with Lisa, I didn't mean at dinner with people, Meredith says. 
And Lisa says, you have a lot of gifts. Whitney says, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the rumors. Uh, and then in a talking head, she says, I'm not using the word swinger because I do not want to bring up that if I'm a swinger or not at this table, which I think is fascinating. So she's not, she's not denying she's a swinger, but she's not affirming it either. She's saying, I just don't even want to bring it up. And Lisa goes, I don't care enough to judge you, to be honest. And it's like, damn. Heather says, if you're saying you're coming from love and kindness, we don't see love and kindness. And Lisa says, I feel the opposite of that. And I can't help how you perceive me. You said you don't know me. Of course you know me. And this is into Heather and Lisa now. This is like, you, Lisa, you said you don't know me. Of course you know me. You say that Heather was a good time girl. And Mary goes, oh my gosh. And by the way, I just want to point out, Jen has snow gloves on and she has rings over her snow glove. That's amazing style. Like rings over the gloves. And also Heather lets us know, I definitely didn't flash anybody because you couldn't graduate BYU if you flash somebody. They have a strict honor, like a strict code of ethics. Lisa says, keep it coming. Who's next? Who wants up next at me? First Whitney, now Heather, who else? Lisa says, until you find out what triggers you, thumbs up. And this is when we get into the thumbs up of it all. Lisa goes, you send me a thumbs up in a text message? I know that's a fuck you. She, so they had this text message where Lisa reached out to Heather and said, can't wait to th- see you tonight. And Lisa says, can't wait to see you tonight, Heather. And Heather sent her a thumbs up back and uh, two thumbs up. And we find out that, that universal text code means two thumbs up means F you. And she's like, I'm apologizing for an emoji, Heather says. Of all the ladies, Heather meant it as a fuck you. Like this, Lisa is... By the way, but I never knew this. I've sent so many thumbs up, which are actually just thumbs up. My dad sent thumbs up. You know, in fact, we'll ask my dad what a thumbs up means in a sec. Um, producer says, absolutely. Like a producer in a talking head asks Heather, well, what did you mean by that? Did you mean F you by the thumbs up? She goes, I absolutely meant that. <laughs> so um, Jez says it only feels bad because she cares. Um, Jen says, it only feels bad because she cares just like me with Mary. So she's kind of sticking up for Heather. Meredith says, I know Lisa doesn't want to make someone feel bad. So Lisa apologizes, says, I'm sorry if I made anyone feel bad. I'm sorry, but I'm done. And Whitney says, I'm going to agree to move forward. Clean slates done. And that is the episode, the end of episode two. Just so much to dig into, you guys. It's just so, so amazing. I'm so, I'm so happy we have this. I feel happy for all of us. And I'm very I know this is be overused in this next day. I'm very thankful for this show uh, with Salt Lake. And I'm very thankful for this show, the podcast. And I'm very thankful for you guys. Thank you for sticking with me. Please stick with me. I hope you enjoyed this. If you guys like more recaps, those are on my Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. It's the perfect holiday gift. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. Maybe it's not even the perfect holiday gift. But please support me if you can. And um Thank you so much, and I'm sure I will be talking to you over DM the next couple of days. And of course, of course, I'm going to leave you with a sad song. Now, this, this is so funny. This has a little bit of a memory with it to me, is that, uh, you know, you have those songs when you're a kid that you listen to because one of your parents listens to it, and you start, like, I was a very imaginative kid, and I would... Like when I heard when a man loves a woman, I was like, 
seven years old and I wrote like extended lyrics where like the man and woman got divorced. Like I was not a good lyricist. I would not have got a Grammy nomination like The Weeknd. Uh, he didn't get one either. But um, this was a song called Wasted Time by the Eagles. Don Henley sings this. And my dad is one of the biggest Don Henley fans ever. And it's all about a relationship being like, was all of this wasted time? And I used to <laughs> sit in my room <laughs> with this uh, with this record or CD or probably CD at that point. And when I was a kid and I would listen to this and I would pretend I was brokenhearted in a relationship. Like what seven or eight year old does this? Like that's ridiculous. And it was very true. Like I would feel the pain of that relationship. So here it is. The Eagles wasted time with Don Henley on lead vocals. I hope you guys have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I love you.
Batches.